Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Pedagogy Matters podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to bring the force some of the key topics of conversation in relation to learning and teaching, to discuss, to break down aspects of practice and provide snippets, advice and guidance as to how to integrate these into our daily practice. Today I'm delighted to be joined by David Gawley, Head of Learning and Teaching Enhancement at Perth College. David, how are you? I'm excellent. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Not bad for a Monday. Uh, how's things going at your college? And obviously very busy so far? Or is it... Absolutely. Very, very, very busy. Uh, just trying to get every student finished and and successfully achieving their, their subjects. Uh, this has been a very kind of interesting and challenging year uh, with, the, obviously, the COVID pandemic. No, I, think, I think that's the same... I think it's the same route really across the rest of the UK and the rest of the world, if I'm honest with you. Every colleague I talk to, you know, has some kind of real challenges and, and, and the students are always at the front and centre of everything that we're trying to do, which is really interesting because obviously that's what today's topic is really all about. So it's about looking at how the pandemic, how COVID has, has I'm going to say, affected our practice, but also moving forward about how we place creative and engaging learning at the heart of, of everything we do, which I know is a topic of really kind of, interested and keen on. So I guess to, to start with, what do we mean by that? What do we mean by creative and engaging learning, David? It's all about using imaginative approaches to making learning more, more interesting and more effective. If a student doesn't engage in their learning 100%, we start off behind the curve. So it, it's all about creating a great learning experience that makes the students tune in and switch on to make them get out of bed, come into college or switch on their, their computer and come in virtually and learn. That's really interesting. And how has that gone in the last 14 months? In your experience, in your college, I guess to kind of provide a bit of context, everyone I've spoken to and having been in a college at the start of the COVID pandemic, it was very much a every day was different. It was pure survival mode initially as to how do we flip whatever's happening face to face to online. And I guess that's then evolved significantly over time because we've just got more used to it and our students have got more used to it and our staff have got more used to it. Has that been the same um, experience for you and your college? Absolutely. You know, different moments require different methods. Uh, and where we've been successful is where we've, we've looked at reimagining learning uh, and trying to work with the students to find out what their challenges are uh, in order that we can encourage the learning to happen. But not just not just learning, but deeper learning. Now, that's really interesting. And I guess the key question that everybody will be asking is, great, I want to be creative, I want to be engaging. How do I do it? Where do I start? So I guess what's your advice or what's your views on that? I, I think... It, it starts off with your own personal mindset. Okay. You know, how how you're feeling, you know, and being reflective in yourself as an educator, as an online educator, as a face-to-face -face educator. Where are your strengths? Where are your weaknesses? You know, how do you best make learning happen? Uh, that's interesting, I guess. When talking again, or when looking really at the sector from a different perspective the last 12 months, there's been, I'm going to say, a lot of noise and a lot of new information and a lot of, um, a lot of new ideas, which is fantastic. But at the same time, that could be quite overwhelming, you know, for lecturers and for managers. So, 
So we talked there about kind of about you and kind of what works for you and for your students. And I guess yeah. So is there any advice or any kind of tips or, or kind of principles that you may have come across that kind of that provide that creative environment or that engaging learning environment? Absolutely. It's about even though you're delivering online, it's about trying to keep the learning interactive and active for the students so that so that the students aren't just sitting back and listening to to you because as we all know that you know if we lecture uh, the students take in about five percent if they read something online they take on about ten percent but if they're doing more active learning then that's the key so it's, it's it's all about mixing it up doing doing a bit of kind of a introductory kind of lecturing at the start but it's all about in being inclusive in your teaching, but being active, having having the students perform tasks that make them reason, that make them think, but actually, most importantly, make them do things. That's interesting. Yeah, really interesting. And, and kind of a lot of conversation with colleagues recently has been around learning design and around kind of really reflecting on on, on, on the makeup of our curriculum and how we deliver and how we develop. Because, yeah, initially, you know, especially the start of COVID, there was a lot of two hour online sessions where, where the perception was you had to lecture, you had to, to, to transfer information as opposed to providing those interactive experiences. And that was more, I think, because, again, I'm, I'm talking kind of broad brush and large majority here. People didn't quite know how to do this, didn't know how, how to provide those interactive spaces online because it was all so new. There's been a lot of learning over the last 12 months around, you know, about how we can use different bits of technology or, or different elements within teams or, or, or different uh, platforms that people use to provide this so i guess what are your, your thoughts on there or any ideas or any examples that you've seen actually that have worked really well for some lecturers as to how they have done this how they provide those interactive experiences for students well i i think very very much we need to strip things down and reconsider what we're trying to do yeah. in the classroom we're not trying to teach we're actually trying to make learning happen the teaching is the process the learning is the product as it were so we need to strip things down and look and see right how for my particular subject for this particular topic for this particular learning outcome can we strip things away and what is the best way to make learning happen and that will that will vary from subject to subject and, and with a lot of subjects, you're, you're going to be constrained by the awarding body's uh, criteria or by by virtue of the fact that you, your students need to learn a specific competency a certain way. Putting that aside, with most subjects, there is a lot of freedom and how you can how you can make learning happen, how you can make this, the students create their own learning with a learner-centered approach where where they actually create meaning and understanding and that can run at all levels it's not just for the higher levels it can it can work at every level as i say there, there is some there are some small exceptions but moving forward that's what we need to do we, we need we need to almost strip it all back think right what are we trying to achieve today and what's the best way to do it and what tools do we have? We've got technology, but we shouldn't be relying on technology for technology's sake. 
and and we shouldn't be a be afraid to a to mix cutting edge electro electrical technology with more basic but effective uh, teaching strategies. No, I think that, yeah, that's, that's fascinating and, and very much agrees with kind of my thoughts and views in terms of first keeping it really simple. You know, everyone I've, I've spoken to you know, has very different views on even what digital means, but to really pair that back and come back to, as you said, there, a learner centered experience of, well, actually, what's right for the students? How do we make it really simple? And I guess the other uh, interesting type of conversation is there's been a lot of narrative recently. Uh, in the last two to three months around how we bring digital into the classroom you know and I, I guess my criticism of that is then that some people or, or the the narrative is rather than some people the narrative is that you should be bringing what you've been doing online into a traditional classroom which for me isn't a, it's not the case whatsoever it's how we look at our, our kind of learning design our curriculum design more broadly and use the best bits of working remotely, the best bits of face-to-face, -face, and how we use that to complement each other to provide that learning experience. I know you've probably had quite a bit of experience of this in the past, so what are your thoughts there? Again, it's it's looking at, stripping it back and say, right, what are we trying to make the students learn today? Yeah. What knowledge and skills are they trying to do within the face-to-face -face classroom on that particular day? And what is the best tool to use how can digital technology give us an advantage? A good example is, 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 is in the use of 3D technology. Uh, in the past, uh, I'm, a, I'm a chemist by training and I've taught chemistry uh, using a 3D graphics where I've taken people into the, the, the active site of uh, drug targets and shown people how drugs bind to the active site of the target using a 3D computer technology, something that you can't explain in the blackboard, you know, something that, that you know, is really, really, really hard to explain in words. But by, by using technology to overcome that visualization problem, because, you know, what, what I'm trying to show them isn't microscopic, it's a, it's nanoscopic. So, it's using technology when there's a clear advantage and it gives you a clear a, a clear learning opportunity. No, you're absolutely right there. And, and again, there's a perception. This is this makes me sound quite cynical. It's not meant to be. There's a perception across the sector around you've got to use technology for X, Y, and Z. And to be innovative, it's got to inform technology. But no, you're absolutely right there. It's around how can you use technology to support and enhance the curriculum, to enhance that learning experience. And as you kind of shared at the start, if if technology has a time to aid engagement, and fantastic, that's the hook straight away. And if it aids memory retention and recall and so on and so forth, then fantastic there as well. So going back to the kind of creative and engaging, you know, that's quite a broad topic. And I guess what are your your thoughts and, and values moving forward into a world whereby we can choose what our curriculum looks like in terms of in, com in, in contrast to the last 40 months where it's been forced, everyone's had to be remote. Moving forward where we can choose, we're, we're talking about kind of keeping it really simple, but are there any other kind of key points to consider to, to provide that creative and that engaging learning experience where there's a blend of face-to-face -face and online delivery? 
the most important thing is to inspire the learners to, as I say, to switch them on, yeah. to make to make them actively engage. And we need to be inclusive. We need to, every class has their extroverts and every class has their introverts. Uh, some people just want to come to class, sit at the back of the class, soak up all the knowledge, you know, go home, study their notes and things like that. That's perfect. But how we can make the experience better for them as well by by using these technological levers to make a more inclusive learning environment for the people that are shy, for the people, for the, the people that, that don't necessarily push themselves forward and things like that. So it's 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 using it's being creative to reach out to everyone. That's interesting. So a lot of the topics prior to today have been around relationships, you know, and I think again personally. The, the last 14 months has really shone through from a, a lecturer's perspective about how important relationships are and how they're curated. And that links back to what you're saying there is really it's about knowing your learners. In order to meet the needs of your learners, you've got to know your learners and kind of how they work or, or what, their, what their needs are as to how you can include them in their practice. And, and what are the, you kind of touched upon the word levers there. I guess, what are the other levers that you believe, you know, that will help us be achieve these effective learning experiences? The most important lever is the lecturer th themselves. It's their skills. It's the it's the lecturer realizing what they're good at, you know, what their what their weaknesses are, what they need to develop, uh, and how they can reach out, you know, effectively to the students to to make learning happen. Uh, there's also the, the the use of other resources using external influencers to inspire people from industry, entrepreneurs, uh, subject specialists. Now with, with uh, digital technologists to technology, we can reach out across the world to various people. We, we, you know, you can get people, uh, subject experts uh, in San Diego beaming into your, your uh, classroom in Perth and, and things like that. You know, we, we, we need to think, you know, globally as far as how we can influence our students because now with the uh, online learning distance is no object and you can easily get you know guest lecturers in from you know wherever in the world and as i say it's this key word inspire no i think that, that's yeah some really interesting points and uh, again i've heard different colleges have different approaches the college i used to work with we had something called the big picture no, so started every session with the big picture. And that just came back to the inspiring and the hook with learners. Why am I here? What am I going to learn today? And how does that help me in my next steps? You know, which I think is really important. What other elements? So uh, we're, we're talking quite ideal world here. I mean, we're not actually, maybe that's a bit harsh. But these are uh, fundamental things. Lecturers may also say, well, actually, I want to do that. What else do I need to do? Or how do I start? Because lecturing can be quite a lonely role in terms of the working by themselves, typically 800 hours a year with students. So can, where do we start? Can, how else do we do this, David? Well, it, it, you've got in one, it's, it's the power of collaboration and synergy, working together with others in their field, other lecturers, uh, people in industry and things like that. Because one of the main challenges we, we have in colleges just now is that we always try and reinvent the wheel as far as teaching material, you know, uh, ideas, but by working in collaboration 
And as I say, going back to the, the, the idea that every lecturer's strength and weaknesses by working in, in, in collaborative partnerships and teams, you know, we can maximise the synergy uh, and uh, support, uh, take the load off, work better, you know, by working collaboratively, not just within our own colleges, but across the network and even longitudinally and laterally uh, globally uh, in order to, to share best practice, harness best practice and give the students the best possible experience we can get. So it's all about, I mean, collaboration is the key and working together, you know, that's another very, very important lever. And, you know, over the years, you know, I've, you know, collaboration is hard. And so these projects need to be well, well planned, and but they must be based on trust and respect. Uh, so that when you start out, that you know what's in it for you, you know what's in it for your collaborators, but most importantly, you know that the end goals are an inspiring student experience. You just stole my end goal there. You're absolutely right. That's what's got to come back to at the end. And I think there's a bit of work to be done, but I think there's a real appetite. I'm not sure if this kind of mirrors your experience, but I think a lot of people have been a lot more willing to either support others or to find out more because they've had to, because this has been quite an alien world for a lot of lecturers. Is that the same in your experience as well? Absolutely, absolutely. It, it, the, the sense of community yeah. and collaboration and support has been overwhelming, but also the sense of, you know, a innovation and, a, you know, being taking risks. A, I think people, because they felt, you know, they were really under the cosh, they felt that some people thought they could take risks, they could be bold, they, they you know, they, they thought they, they could take risks, they weren't afraid to fail, you know, but because of the circumstances and we, we had to do something. So people were doing bold things. Yeah. I think the key bit moving forward is to curate those spaces, as you've said there, with lecturers and with, with others, is you know, across a couple of levels, if I'm honest with you. Firstly, it's to show or provide that space for lecturers to understand how others have done it. Because as we just one up before, it's quite lonely being a lecturer. You only know what you know unless you speak to other lecturers to understand how they have done it. And the next bit then is, is really changing mindset. And, and, and this is, I'm a big believer in this in terms of for me, technology can be used to make us a lot more efficient. And what I mean by that is you know, looking back at our curriculum and thinking, well, well, what do I need to teach face to face? What can be taught online? And that doesn't mean that something that is lesser can be taught online, but it's how we really harness those face to face interactions and face to face experiences to make that learning happen, to consolidate the knowledge that's been taught online, but to really develop those knowledge, those skills and those behaviors in that face to face environment. You know, so I think if we're, if as a sector, where we think differently about this, we can think actually, how can we be efficient, whether that be working collaborative, you've said their own kind of on the materials or resources that are there for students online, then that gives us that greater face-to-face -face time or that greater smaller group interactions with learners to really develop their knowledge, to really develop their experience. So it might well be a case of, in, in some areas, that the face-to-face -face or the, uh, the the live delivery students might not be developing new knowledge, but that's consolidating knowledge that they may, may have learned independently, but really then developing and enhancing that knowledge. I'm not sure kind of what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, well, that's very much touching on the kind of flipped classroom model, isn't it? Absolutely. Uh, and 
I've seen the flip classroom work very well in uh, some situations, and I've seen it fail spectacularly in others. And where it fails, it fails because students fail to engage with the whole process from the start. They'll come to the face-to-face -face classes, but they won't they won't do the prior learning, they won't go online, they won't do the videos and things like that. And it's it's so what can we do to design the experience so that they, you know, there, there's an overwhelming compulsion that they want to go in and learn the asynchronous stuff online, whether it's videos, whether it's online reading, whether it's animations, whether it's, it's, it's quizzes. And we need to get that right to overcome that hurdle. Otherwise, you know, flip classroom will die in a ditch, you know. As I say, it works in some situations, lots of situations it doesn't. And, but we need to we need to analyze our practice, be quite critical with ourselves, evaluate evaluative, and say, well, this is working here because of this. Yeah. This isn't working here because of this. We really need to go and look at evidence-based teaching practice. Okay, uh, we need to get away from from considering a common practice as best practice because that that ne isn't necessarily so you know so so we we need to look at our evidence-based practice and follow the facts and would it be fair to say again this is just my view that there's, there's now more a chance than ever to the college sector and the reason i say that is because one the term flip learn has been around for years and years and years but in the college sector, it's not really been utilised en masse because I think it's been quite an alien term. I think people wouldn't quite know where to start. Whereas I think, like I said, the last 14 months has kind of provided a lot more opportunities. There's been a lot more development, really. Again, talking more broadly around staff skills, around awareness, around um, accessibility to platforms. You know, if we look, for example, a lot of people have moved to, to Microsoft Teams in the last 12 months when it didn't exist prior to that. So uh, do you think that... There might be more of a, a a broader move to that. Do you think moving forward? Absolutely. I mean, what we've seen is a kind of paradigm shift yeah. uh, away from face-to-face -face teaching. You know, where uh, almost all lecturers can use one form of of virtual classroom or another, whether it's WebEx, whether it's Zoom, or whether it's Teams. Uh, that is very very important. Uh, the, the the kind of skills gained by lecturing staff, you know, the the, the learning curves has been huge, and and these aren't skills that the, 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 that they will forget. What we've also got to consider is is we're with Microsoft 365, Teams, SharePoint, and OneDrive. People are going to have access to their colleagues, their their files, their meetings, anywhere in the world. They've got an internet. A connection. This is going to really globalize business, uh, globalize working. Yeah. You know, in the future, uh, people are going to are going to be able to be a financial an analyst uh, uh, and live on the island of Sky. You know, uh, and so in our teaching, you know, whatever subject we are teaching. As part of the, the the learning, the students are going to have to learn how to use virtual conferencing software, and it will probably be Teams. You know, I think Teams 
Teams will become the industry standard, and uh, lots of the other software will 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 uh, will, will fade away. It, it will become uh, it will become the word like we use Word today. Yeah. In five years' time, people will use Teams like we use Word. You know, and and other. You know, you know how other uh, word processing software has fallen away. I I think so. It's really important. In the students' development of their of their life and learning skills, that actually they learn how to operate in this fashion, because the world is changing, and and there's other drivers. You know, it's not just the pandemic; it's global warming. People are going to be travelling less, you know, and so we need to empower our students with the skills to interact remotely, not exclusively remotely. I, I'm not saying that. You know, I, I'm 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 because there's always going to be a place to, for face-to-face -face learning. It's just for lots of different subjects, we're going to be entering a blended, yeah. hybrid, highly flexible educational environment. Now, again, some really interesting points, and I haven't been involved in education for the last 14 years. The key conversation bit is, yeah, what sector are we preparing our, our, our students? You know, what does the next five years look like? What does the next 10 years look like? And now more than ever, that's going to really escalate. Who knows what the next five years looks like in terms of in, in terms of work patterns and, and the workforce and so on and so forth, but you're right there. It, it's without doubt that digital will be at the heart of that moving forward. And so how we underpin that and how we develop that as part of our, our, our standard practice for students there. And that comes back to really the topic of the conversation around how we provide, how we develop those creative and engaging learning experiences. Because yeah, and this is the criticism of students, there are so many things going on in their life, there's so many distractions, and it's about having that hook, having that big picture to help them see their next steps or wherever they want to go, and then using our, our, our teaching strategies and approaches to harness that, and the kind of quote you before, to make learning happen. That's what, what's ultimately what we're trying to do, and that, yeah, I think the future very much is blended. Now, how blended that is for every college and every level, and every course, it will be very different, and I, I kind of really view it. And this broad brush is, a, I'm going to say, a, a two to four year action research project really around, well, what works? What works by level? What works by curriculum area? And that'll be different in every college as well, but to try and understand some commonalities across those. But yeah, I think it's a really, really interesting space. And, and some of those levers that you have touched upon are fundamental in kind of making this happen as a transition from fully remote to that blended or hybrid approach uh, kind of really kicks on there. So before we finish off, there, I guess, is there any other points or any other notes or, or tips or advice for, for managers, for lecturers to consider moving forward into this post-COVID era, era of creating those creative and engaging learning environments? Absolutely. And it's the personalization of learning. We, sh we should use all these new digital tools, all these, uh, all these ways of reaching out and connecting with our students uh, to make it a more personalized learning experience you know if you, if you um, a good comparison i use is look at the entertainment industry look look at in the last few years how netflix has changed the way people view entertainment content it will actually a uh, it's intelligent. It will make suggestions for things that you think that you might like. We need to harness that ability as educators and, and use that kind of uh, cognitive 
understanding this this idea of learning learner analytics to understand where our students strengths are and our weaknesses are and to point them in the right direction of ways of enhancing their learning it's not about teaching anymore it's all about enhancing the students learning uh, and developing their their knowledge and skills but the most important skill we're going to give i mean you're talking about we don't know how the sector is going to look we don't know how industry is going to look employment and things like that the best thing we can empower our students to do is we can empower them to learn you know and we can we you know once they leave our institutes you know we, we we can say well this is how you build on your knowledge and skills because a uh, we are entering an era where knowledge is cheap you know the, the knowledge is so readily available you know you, you can you can get a bit of information in 30 seconds on your smartphone yeah, but that's not the point is being able to analyze yeah. and evaluate the knowledge so so that is going to be the the most important thing for our, it's not is not having our students repeat things learning by repetition or anything like that it's about empowering them to learn and also empowering them to be critical of the knowledge and analyze it you know in the way that they're presented with it that is going to be the, the, the future you know and that is why we need creative learning that's why we need to do more problem-based learning more project-based learning less didactic uh, sage on the stage type stuff we need to be developing our students rational thinking skills no i think that's a really good way to end this discussion david you're absolutely right the key bit just to finish off with is for people listening to this i think the power of collaboration as we talked earlier is probably the most important bit that they can they can go away and do right now and even if that's just talking to different lecturers and different managers to understand well what's their views on this how are they going to bring this to life so i know we made different perspectives on this is great but where do i start and i think that's the important of the importance of the collaboration bit there across the sector is to have that conversation about how other people are thinking that what's their perspective on this how are they going to do it but also then when bringing this to life because talking around the netflix of education for example it's not about lecturers duplicating things in many different ways and many different mediums but it's about providing those opportunities for students to learn in those different ways which i think is kind of really key as you've kind of alluded to there but no david fantastic you know really really interesting and some really kind of powerful points there for for listeners to consider so yeah so thank you for, for kind of coming along and sharing your views today and it's be a really exciting journey to watch where this goes in the next two or three years thank you david <laughs>